everybody. How we doing? Welcome to Try Not to Blink, a podcast about the ups and downs, the ins and outs, news, tips, and tricks of those who live the optometry lifestyle. We'd like to thank the amazing people at Valley Contacts who really do kick ass and that they have made this podcast possible. Uh, they are, of course, makers of stellar gas permeable lenses and the oh-so-incredible custom stable scleral lens. I had some fun success with that today. In fact, in case you're wondering, I am on the East Coast. My name is Dr. James Diem, and I am joined by the talented co-host, Dr. Roya Habibi, who is repping the West Coast. Roya, what is up? What's up, people? This is going to be have, a uh, fun month. That's right. It's a new month. September. What does that mean? It's really hard to believe that we are already in September right now. Crazy. It is absolutely crazy. I feel like no matter how old you are, the end of summer signifies it's a it's a change. It's a changing garden. There's this feeling of, you know, uh change. I agree. In since I've moved to Seattle, it's like Almost like a dooming moment, like the rain is coming. Seattleites love the rain, so I think it's a weird thing, but they're, most Seattleites are actually excited about it, but it feels like I am just have to prepare to go into hibernation or something. <laughs> we've had rain all summer, so I don't feel like we've really gotten to, to enjoy much at all, but... You know, for for me, uh, we have, of course, the fall leaves and everything pumpkin spice. And, uh, you know, I I really enjoy that. uh, You don't drink pumpkin spice lattes. Tell me you don't. I really don't. But it's just, you know, it's smell and a feel and it's 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 our time. But, you know, the big thing that is going on right now, the beginning of September is kids are going back to school. That's true. That's true. And to be honest, right now, we are doing this around Labor Day weekend. That's right. Um, So it's been a while since I've realized what Labor Day meant, except basically the unofficial end of the summer. But Labor Day is a federal holiday in the U.S., celebrated the first Monday of September. Do you know why it started? I I really didn't know, and... To be honest, I feel I always feel like a, a goofball. You know, when people talk about holidays, Memorial Day, Labor Day. I can't keep them straight. I don't know if I missed that class in first grade or, or what, but no, I, I did not really know what it was for. Me neither. So what is it for? Let me tell you. <laughs> first you. held in 1882, courtesy of the New York City uh, Central Labor Union. They decided they huh. wanted to create a holiday for their workers. For Basi- laborers. Laborers. Their first, basically a union-sponsored day off, honoring the American labor movement, contributions that workers had made, etc. And we, it sort of, it sort of stuck. Nice. Well, do you have off? Do you, do you work on Labor Day? Are you working? Well, technically, our clinic is closed, but... Okay. I don't work Mondays usually, so... <laughs> so you would have been off anyway. I would have been off anyway. We're off. Um, you know, I, I wonder how many people don't work or, or do work on, on Labor Day. It's, it's a federal holiday, right? So right. most people have federal holidays off. But then again, many people go shopping on, on federal holidays. So, you know, probably a lot of our retail colleagues are, are probably working on Labor Day. True. Yeah, I mean, it's all a personal opinion. Unless you're in a... 
government building or working at with the VA or whatever, your your own private practice can decide to be open. Are you right. guys open? You, you just we're answered not. me. No, but. we're we're closed. We we aren't open on weekends or most you know holidays like that. So we're we're pretty lucky in that regard. But um, you know, kind of feel like oh Monday. You know, I feel like we should be going to work. But it'll be nice to have a day off and pay homage to all those laborers out there. <laughs> um, really <laughs> small fact that I just want to say: federal holidays in the U.S. Do you know how many there are for the year? I'd have no idea. I'm going to guess 25. No. 10 federal holidays. Come on, 10? That's it. 10. 10 holidays. Okay, so. Do you know how many they have in Canada? Canada gets everything for free, it seems. So I'm going (laughs) to guess 67. (laughs) Close. 33. Good. Okay, 33. (laughs) So a lot more than us. Right. Is the bottom line. Three times more. Three times more. I mean, lucky ducks. I bleed red, white, and blue, okay? America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, sometimes Canada looks pretty pretty nice. Right, eh? I will say. Our neighbors to the north. I know. She- Sorry, shout out to Sheila. They get to- <laughs> Sorry that you guys work too much. That's what they think. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, they're always apologizing. I really, things. really. Speaking of apologizing and people that should apologize but usually don't, We're going to jump into our first segment about patients that come in late. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This was a this has actually happened to me a few times, even in the past two weeks. It's our assholes, you know, but I guess they are an asshole because they're not really asking a dumb question. But But you want to call them an asshole. Yes. So it's our asshole segment. Late patients. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So (laughs) let's say what what's your last appointment slot, Jimmy? Well, uh, the last last on the latest day is 6.30. That's our late day. Ooh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of nice day. that you guys have late days. Yeah, one late day. Well, so 6.30. Your your slot is at 6.30. Patient walks. You're waiting, waiting. Do you have a late policy? We, we technically do. Uh, technically, it's, I think, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I would be livid. However, if our front office staff turns somebody away, um, if I'm out the door, then there's not much we can do. But I am not one to be too, you know, upset about leaving somebody go. Now, I get it, though, from a front office staff, from a patient flow, you know, standpoint, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to to everybody, you know, Um, so so I get it. But. Um, as a practice owner, it is something that I try to be as, um, you know, flexible as possible in, in reference to, so. I mean, so the other day I had a patient, my last appointment for the day was 410. Okay. Got it. I'm sitting there because I was actually working with a different patient that I had done. I had, I was treating her for something and it ended up going way over. I was, we were still dealing with stuff and essentially so 410 was the last appointment. 440 rolls around. I'm I'm literally just closing up my computer and I'm about to walk out with this last patient and my 410 checks in. What do you say? <laughs> uh, I work with tough. a technician. I, were so you she, there? Were you right there? Did they see you? Did they visualize luckily, no, you I was in the, in the white back. coat? I was in the back. So they, they okay. didn't have to know. But like, I, I, I ended up saying no. Like, I'm sorry, but... You're 30 minutes late for an appointment yeah. that yeah. is going to take a lot of time. And 
I have a life too, you know? No, yeah. No. I mean, 30 minutes. You're... Do you even walk into an appointment 30 minutes late? People do. I mean, it's it's totally, um, it, it, you know, at that point, you have to then question, what's the future of this patient's, you know, life going <laughs> to look like at your practice? And if you maybe don't want them. You know, you maybe don't want them as a patient. It's right. tough. It really is. You know, I mean, the other thing is there may be a valid reason. There may be a valid reason. I understand that. I'm, and I do feel like I'm a reasonable person, but they're ha- like... Even myself, I have to ask myself, like, would I go to a – what would I do? If you I was would. really that late, I probably no. would just not show. You would call. Yeah. Or, or, or call and say, hey, I'm late. What right. What could I do? You know? What about um, in the middle that, of the day? Someone – you've got a study flow of patients. Yeah. Everyone's showing up on time. Someone shows up 20, 30 minutes late. Do you turn them away? My staff hates me. Because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so my staff absolutely hates me. We already know you You run 20, like an hour behind. You just I'm an hour say. behind anyway because no. I talk too damn much. No. Um, sometimes two hours. And uh, Oh, my is, God. That gives me a stomachache. I can't. Oh, even. my God. Yeah, Roya, you would, you'd, you'd keel over. You'd absolutely keel over. When I'm over. 10 minutes late to a patient, it like hurts me. No, sister. No. It's just, no. It's just the way we roll. No. You know? I'm talking about your grand daddy's uncle's haircut from no. three weeks ago no. <laughs> so, but but so do you have a policy or what's the story we have 15 minutes 15 although minutes. i think that's pretty standard i think that's yeah. pretty, pretty but standard. it's not a hard rule i mean i too like to be flexible yeah um and if someone's willing to wait if especially if they come in the middle of the day i'm willing to make it work usually yeah. but yeah it's also I like think, i think as long as you have the common courtesy to call ahead let the office know that you're running late, then, you know, then we'll, we'll, we'll be flexible with you. But if you uh, don't and you come and you just expect to be seen, um, you know, we're a busy medical practice. We have lots of patients and those patients want to be seen and um, want to be seen in the time that they were scheduled. Uh, so right. when they come in and mess everything up, it's, it's, it's tough. So late patients, you're asshole of the week. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right. So. Right. Right. Yes. I'm with you. So let's jump into some industry news. This is something we want to sort of integrate into pretty much every one of our podcasts. And there's a lot of cool new industry news out there. So uh, the the first one, which I think is going to probably be the most influential to our listeners and definitely you and I, Roya, is what? Oh, man, you put me on the spot here. Sequoia. <laughs> Sequoia. 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 I kind of want to do like a karate chop when yeah, I say right? it. Sequoia. I think that's how you say it. With some, ah. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. C-E-Q-U-A. However nice. you say it. Whatever. From Sun Pharma came out with this revolution, revolutionary new cyclosporin. 0.09%. <laughs> Although it, let me, let me just read this. It is a unique nanomicellar formulation that essentially helps penetrate the eye's aqueous layer. Um, and I don't really know why that makes that better than normal, aside from the fact that it's a higher percentage, but essentially it's supposed to be better than our current options for cyclosporin. Um, also, apparently, there's even an improvement in treatment with its um, buffer. The buffer even has a an improvement for dry eye. So, 
I don't know. Yeah, we'll I see. Mean, I'm I, excited I, to see. I'm, I wonder how long it's going to take for it to become available to the market. I've heard in the next month or so, uh, we're going to probably start seeing that hit hit uh, pharmacies. And we're going to start seeing reps. I know they're mobilizing reps. Uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm excited to have something new. I've 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 not personally, but I know of doctors, and maybe you do too, that have been um, going to compounding pharmacies to right. get higher concentration cyclosporin for patients. One of the biggest things that I know is a side effect of that is increased stinging burning. Right. Um, so you know, I think that there is some inherent benefit in a higher concentration that we already are pretty re- well aware of. Um, however, uh, you know, the the vehicle and um, as you said, buffer, I think is is the magic you know extra part that hasn't yet been figured out that that Sun has potentially um, done. So I'm excited. Uh, because, you know, personally, uh, you know, cyclosporin or restasis has been my go-to and continues to be for first-line dry treatment. Um, what do you so mean by first-line? Uh, when I have somebody who comes in who is a, a significant dry eye, to me, that's a level two dry eye by ITF grading standards. So um, grading of... Uh, they have fluorescein staining on the cornea peripherally or conjunctival staining. Uh, so you have to stain with lysamine, lysamine green, which is my favorite stain. I'd lysamine green. Preach. Love that. Stuff. Yeah, I love it. So they either have conjunctival staining or peripheral corneal staining. Uh, and then, then I'll, I'll, that to me is dry eye, and, and that's first-line treatment for me. Yes. So that's that. Uh, well, uh so sequa, that's very fun. Um, so the other piece of uh, industry news that we have is Alcon has announced that Cypass, a surgical glaucoma implant, has been pulled from use. Uh, it's a micro stent. It's, it, as I said, a surgical treatment for glaucoma that came out in July of 2016. Uh, it's used in cataract surgeries, and um, it is something you know that has actually, I've heard a lot of really great um, outcomes on, and, and the Pressures have been controlled really, really well. But the big thing that has been um, uh, displayed in a five-year study uh, is that patients have been experiencing a a statistically significant endothelial cell loss compared to the group that underwent cataract surgery alone. So, um, you know, bravo to Alcon for, you know, observing this, you know, potentially significantly detrimental uh, side effect of Cypass. I'm sure they weren't too happy about having to, you know, recognize this, but hey, it's 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 the right thing to do. They voluntarily removed it from the market uh, because the percent loss was too great. So, you know, that's um, the two pieces of industry news that we have to share with you. So uh, let's move on. We shall. So we should get into what our month is. Intro for September, we are going to dive deep into pediatric optometry. Which is like your specialty, right? Oh, yeah. This is like your thing. And it's, it was completely Roya's idea because she just <laughs> loves kids. She loves them. I do actually really like working with kids, to be fair. I All love right. them. Just, I'm just not like I wouldn't title myself a pediatric specialist Person. by any means, but... I fit kids with contacts. I probably am. We are hiring a pediatric ophthalmologist in my clinic. In fact, she starts next week. So we're all super excited about that. But up until this point, I think I'm the most flexible 
a doctor in my practice that sees kids. So I have no issues with them. It's just not my biggest group. I, I know gotcha. where to put all my beans, and it's not in kids. But gotcha. I enjoy working with them. Fair. But anyway, pediatrics, infancies, crying, diapers, boogers, amblyopia, vision therapy, nice. all that. Back to school time. I love it. And that's, that's where we're at right now. And we do. We get a rush of kiddos coming in this time of year and I actually like it because I think it's really appropriate that uh you know kids come back to see the eye doctor prior to or shortly thereafter starting school because that's really when they're testing their eyeballs you know they're they're looking at the screen they're looking at the you know hopefully um you know reading uh papers which I know is is something that's slowly being uh phased out of the world uh probably looking at electronic devices more and more but they're using their eyeballs more and as they develop you know things are changing and we want to be a part of helping them do that so understanding children's vision and when we're supposed to see them and how we're supposed to treat them is very important. And I think while many of us uh, do like kids and do see kids, uh, there's still a lot of discord and disagreement in the way that we approach them. So in in preparing for this um, podcast, I came across the AOA's evidence-based guideline for clinical practice on the pediatric eye exam, which we are going to share the um, – website for it is a extremely comprehensive uh um document that uh collaborated several different um individuals uh collaborated on they read 1400 abstracts 350 articles and put all of these um evidence-based principles together in this guideline so that we know what's best for for children in eye care so it came up with the recommended optimal inter- intervals for in-person comprehensive eye exams um it, it suggested appropriate procedures to do the eye exam. It talked about ways to reduce the risks and adverse effects of eye and vision problems in infants and children uh, through prevention, education, early diagnosis, treatment, and management. Um, It also talked about ways that we could do um, education for patients, parents, and caregivers. So really a great way to kind of get out there and really get excited about uh, children vision. Uh, Some really kind of interesting things that it came up with um, were what, Roya? Well, one in five preschool kids has a vision problem. Pretty significant. Yeah. I mean, tw- 20% of kids have a vision problem. Also, 25% of school-age kids wear some sort of corrective eyewear. That's in, our, in the U.S. And that they also came up with some age... Um, ages for recommending eye exams before, like without even looking. I mean, Jimmy, you probably will just like textbook answer this. But what do you typically say when someone asks you when 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 should my kid get his first exam? We are big, big, big infancy believers at our practice. We see, you know, a couple infancy exams a week. Um, it, it is a great way to educate families, patients, and uh, their their loved ones about the importance of eye development. So we say anywhere between ages of six months and one year is your first eye exam. That's really we really 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 believe in that. Uh, so so that's something that's that's what I tell patients. Triple really, huh? Really, really, really. <laughs> what do people? I mean, it's kind of interesting because looking at this. So what we should say is what they came up with is first eye exam should happen around six months, then the next around three years, 
and then the next around five years right before school starts. But what I thought's pretty interesting is I Googled age for first eye exam, depending on what study or what what academy you looked at, there is no uniform right. rule on when kids should get an eye exam. And that's kind of interesting. I mean, even on the the um, American Ophthalmology, or no, sorry, sorry, American Academy of Pediatrics, pediatricians are doing some of the early screenings. And I'm not saying pediatricians have their hands full of doing tons of things. Right. Um, but how, that's that seems like a really... Uh, vague message for for kids. Why is that not more uniform? I think I think it has a lot to do with with turf wars. Honestly, I do, and and I think that you know we we try to educate uh, other healthcare professionals and parents and kids about the importance of this because we're trying to help kids who are the twenty percent and the twenty five percent be prepared when they get to school and we're trying to get ahead of amblyopia and we're trying to make sure we don't miss a retinoblastoma. Um, you know, it, it's it's we do need better research. That's the bottom line. But sure. um, you know, being there uh in the trenches, doing it myself, um I, I have had probably five in, you know, the last uh five years that are significant um, prescriptions that need glasses. I've not had any real significant um, pathologies, but uh, significant prescriptions that I think if otherwise untreated would have resulted in, you know, significant vision loss as time went on if they didn't, you know, get glasses. So, yeah, absolutely. So now we know how to approach this, why it's important to approach this, uh, this being children's vision. I think now that, you know, we're, we're ready to be seeing kids, probably one of the first things you're going to be confronted with is the question of screen time. Oof. Screen time. Huge issue. And, you know, when I bring it up, I see the parent... Say it again. It's a hot topic. It's an extremely hot topic. And, uh, you know, I, when I bring it up, it's so funny. I could see the parent in the corner kind of like slink into the chair <laughs> because they, they're guilty. They're guilty because I think a lot of them know, A, it's not good. B, it is um, a way out of parenting. And C, um, they do it too. Right. And and so I am, I will say, guilty of all of those things. And I could let them know that. So... It's a major issue right now. And, and, you know, as a parent, I realize, you know, how tempting it is to take an electronic device and shove it in front of my, you know, two-year-old's face and say, stop crying. Stop making me look like a fool at this nice restaurant. Watch this goofball open up Play-Doh cans and, you know, shove them into other little things. You could let your kid go on YouTube for hours and they will be totally enamored. Um, But there's reasons why we shouldn't do that. And uh, it's it's really tough. And sometimes I think about, you know, how parents raised children 10 years ago when there were not electronic devices and what they did. You know, what did they do? Babysitters. Babysitters is what they did. (laughs) No, So there are guidelines, I'm going to go ahead and as the non-parent here. Yes. Let me know what you think. Okay. First of all, I am a parent to two dogs. That's right. And I have a cage for a reason. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) Puppy mom. Dogs go in the cage. But <laughs> with with uh, screen time, it really pains me to be at a restaurant and see kids with 
iPads. And I know someday I will be faced with that same decision to potentially have to deal with that and potentially use that same resource. But I'd like to think that I won't do it. And what I often think is like, why do you even (laughs) want to bring your kid to a restaurant? Because you want to go to a restaurant, no, Roya. Get you don't a want to just babysitter. stop going to restaurants. Go get a babysitter. Uh, believe doctor. me, doctor. We're gonna have this. <laughs> we're gonna have, we're gonna rehab this conversation after you have kids. But I love that you said all that because it is exactly how I felt two years ago. I said I will never do that. <laughs> never, ever, ever. And we're really good. I think you know we've only done it probably three, four times. Um, and when we do it, my wife and I, we look at each other and we're like, we're the worst parents ever. We <laughs> said we're the, we are doing what we said we would never do. Um, so anyway, let's, you know, and I just have to say this because I think this is really, really a great way to set the stage. Both Bill Gates and Steve Jobs kept their technologies that they were developing away from their kids. Wow. Gates did not allow his kids to have a cell phone until they were 14 years old. Jobs kept the iPad out of his children's hands. Even at the beginning of the mobile age, mobile tech age, both Jobs and Gates knew to limit their children's exposure to tech at home. And it seems they were probably on to something because we have a myriad of research now that tells us exactly what we probably all know deep down inside. Right. Well, I mean, so I spoke of babysitters. There is a <laughs> there's an article that actually came out in 2012. America's families see tablets as playmate, teacher, and babysitter. <laughs> but this study found that 70% of households have or their kids have a device that they use. Um and the the percent had changed dramatically compared to i believe it was a couple years prior which was at 41 percent, i believe um anyway we know how much this is changing and how often uh, people are utilizing technology these days and how much time people are using or uh, parents are allowing their children to use technology even at a very young age did you know there are some standards that the uh, american academy of pediatrics recommends I vaguely do, and in preparation for this, I I did come across them, but I'd like to be reminded. Would you Would you remind me, please? They say that under eighteen months old, screen time should be limited simply to video chat. Isn't that something like five right. years ago? Like, right. limit your kid to video chat. Right, like, there wasn't video chat. That's I know. Right? <laughs> what, what, what are we going to do? Eighteen to like, twenty four months. It's crazy. Only high quality programming, whatever that means. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Arguable. That's <laughs> like the most recent Marvel movie. That um, is only real. Uh, two to two to five years limited to one hour per day with co-viewing with parents. Six and older, um, you get more time, etc. Obviously, it's a flexible plan, but who, <laughs> how many people are actually doing this? And Let's talk about the pros and cons a bit. I mean, you you as a parent, tell me your pros. Yeah, so I mean, I it I am a I'm really against it. I'm I must say, you know, I'm I'm really against it because I see myself, you know, get wrapped up into it. I see my wife wrapped up into it and there's moments where we are together and you know, life is short and 
you know, we're sitting in the same room and we're both looking at a screen, not talking to each other. Oh yeah. It's, it's spooky. It's scary. And it's upsetting because, you know, in what we do, we're constantly faced with life and people living life and, you know, going through tragedy and you just, you see how fragile life is and you just forget that for some unbelievable reason when you're looking at an electronic device you forget your loved ones right there and you're not even talking to them so i just don't want my kid to be like that so i really am against it but there are a ton of really great educational apps and learning tools on ipads computers tvs and phones so you know i did a little google search for apps for kids and six billion results came up whoa six billion with a b so uh, one of the first ones was the Parenting Magazine, which is a really, you know, we actually get that um, magazine. It's a, really, it's a big magazine. <laughs> I bet it's important. fascinating. You'll get, you'll get it too. <laughs> I don't read it, but my wife does. Um, you know, and so what do they do? They help kids recognize colors, numbers, common animals in the barnyard, things that we used to do with blocks and uh, looking at animals and uh, little shapes and and three-dimensional things. Um, so so there are great reasons to do it. Kids do learn quickly. Um, in fact, I, I saw that kids nowadays learn how to use educational or um, electronic devices prior to walking. Uh, oh. so, so this is across the board, a statistic that's relatively well understood. So there is educational purposes, uh, and, and that to me would be the pro, I guess. I'm going to be honest, though, when I have... How often does like a mom bring her kid in with them for an eye exam and the kid's just ornery and running around and pulling stuff and touching stuff? Sometimes I'm like, (laughs) why didn't you bring your damn tablet? (laughs) Like, (laughs) this kid, give a kid something to look at here. (laughs) When they do bring it, I'm like, whew, good one, saved. (laughs) (laughs) Save the day. (laughs) No distractions. So so from your perspective, what would be some of the cons then? You know, obviously right now, blue light is such a hot topic in across the board. I mean, even in pop culture, you see blue light hitting a lot of big, big name article or er, news, news li- headlines outlets. Yeah. Um, so one easy one that a lot of people talk about and it has been proven in multiple different studies is blue light and sleep. Right. So exposure to blue light, especially before bedtime, actually suppresses melatonin and delays deep REM sleep significantly. Um, In fact, it suppresses it twice as long as other lights, not blue category, other lights. So what do you say? I just, you know, so what do you say when somebody, you know, who knows like a little bit about like light comes in and they say, yeah, you know, I heard about this, but it's total hogwash because there's blue light like like everywhere. Blue light comes from my lights. It comes from the sun. It comes from comes from everything. There's no way to get away from blue light. So it's it's BS. You're you're giving me BS. What do you say to that? Have you ever heard somebody say that? Um, luckily, no. But I would say, I mean, like, I'm not a researcher. I just like when people Look, dude, try and argue know. stuff, I'm I like, know. I don't do the research. <laughs> I'm just telling you what is researched and what's publicized. I mean, Harvard, Harvard just published an article on this. I mean, this isn't like <laughs> when people try and like 
counterculture count yeah, like they're gonna think say, everything's a conspiracy theory fine yeah. like fine. <laughs> like it you're is say, proven. i don't believe it and you're gonna say harvard <laughs> right well, yeah cool harvard yeah you okay. must be smarter than them because <laughs> but anyway no, no but, i mean it, it, i got that a couple times and and the right answer not that you, were, you weren't right in saying harvard because i i do <laughs> like that but the the answer is yes you're right but we've never subjected ourselves to this level right at this duration, yeah. Um, at this uh, location, this early in life, never. Well, especially never, in never, regards never. to kids, right? But but even still, like we haven't had even smartphones are only a recent thing, and so we don't know the long term effects. Right. Um, but you know, and honestly, when people ask me questions like that, um, usually my response is like, "I'm happy to send you some of the literature, to, right. so you can review it yourself." Um, again, I'm not, I'm not someone that's providing research for all of this stuff i'm just the, the middleman oh. like connecting you with what is what is known now so i i think you're you're right though you, you know everything you said is is dead on so so what do you do about it let me just and we don't need to get into a long conversation about this but is this something you do implement into you guys have an optical yes we do yep yeah so is this something that you recommend like the blue tints or the the blue blocking tints absolutely so are blue blocking lenses like a big thing at your office? Do you guys do you recommend them? Absolutely. I mean, now that there are several different options, Blue Tech was one of the first ones that came out, although right. they're kind of dorky looking um, with right. the the almost yellow, yellowy lens. Right. Um, and I, aesthetics, obviously, in my opinion, are relatively important. I mean, half of uh, the yeah, reason people why will you make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, the nowadays, I believe it's Shamir that has a really nice, or maybe Toya that has a really nice lens that yep. uh, you barely can tell. And I actually recently got a pair made myself. You did, and okay. I think they're lovely. Yeah. Okay. But Good. regardless, it seems like an easy no-brainer. Some people might argue you're upselling patients for no reason, but we know that blue light is a big spect or is part of the UV spectrum. We know that it passes. The cornea, we know it passes the lens, so we know it's hitting the retina. And so if we can do something to potentially protect the eye, especially for our software developers, especially for our, I mean, I know this isn't, we're extending past kids, but uh, kids too, I mean, why not? I think it's, I think it's a, uh, the right choice for the way technology is and, and what we have available for our patients. And, and I will ask, you know, I will ask about screen time and I'll say, you know, like what, what is the amount of time that, you know, you're, you're on the, the screen, you know, what, what are you doing? What do you think? Parents have no clue. Kids have no idea. They all kind of smirk at each other and, and giggle. Um, there, there's, there's uh data out there to say that, you know, this could range, you know, from, from eight year olds up to 18 year olds, anywhere from six to, to nine hours a day. That's on average. Actually, the CDC put that out that eight to 10 year olds spend on average six hours a day in front of a screen. That's and crazy. I think that's probably right. Um, what do you think so, about blue light and retinal progression or sorry, sorry, myopia progression? That's kind of been a topic around. I think it, I think it's a, a really big thing that we're 
we don't totally understand and and don't totally have the the uh, research to to support it but it's something that i bring up it's something that i tell patients and usually what i say is not so much that we know that the blue light causes this but but what we what we do know and what has been proven again and again and again through several research uh large population based studies is that kids that spend more time outside Gen- generally do not become myopic and or progress in my myopia nearsightedness as time go on goes on so that's what i'd say i tell parents look i'm not going to get in the middle of of this but what i will say is you should spend more time outside. You should play more outside. You should spend more time with three-dimensional objects. Um, it develops different parts of the brain that we lack and are not as evolved when we're just dealing with a two-dimensional electronic surface, which, oh, by the way, is emitting a light that we believe is connected to damage of the retina, which may be irreversible uh, in 60 years when we're talking about things like macular degeneration, glaucoma, and retinal detachments. And and I say it just as a matter of fact as that. And I hope it, it connects, but, you know, you don't know. And so, so speaking of apps, there are some apps that, you know, you can use to limit blue light, actually. There, so there's apps, and then there's also there's a setting on the iPhone, right? Yep. So is that something you talk about at all, or do you do it? You know, I, I do it occasionally myself, but that's not something I bring up with patients that I've, like, thought about doing. A lot of yeah. my patients, adult patients especially, because – being that I'm in a tech-centric area, a lot of my patients ask how to protect their eyes from blue light. Um, so I often bring up different lenses, but a lot of them ask about different screens you can add in front of your screen. Right. But getting I back to something that you just mentioned earlier, blue light and damage to the retina. Yes. You know, the AOA just published a scientific report. Well, basically, they in their clinical eye care news area, they talked the headline... Blue light hastens vision loss, question mark, not so fast. I think that it's unfair yet for us to say that it truly can cause macular degeneration as there isn't any evidence of that yet. (laughs) Yeah. We do know that it causes damage to the retina or to retinal molecules, but we've only seen that in studies that aren't human, right? Right. But, murine, murine models. Right. <laughs> but if we could have some effect, I mean, spending 15, 20 bucks extra to get this blue blocking feature, why not, right? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, we, we were chatting a little bit about this beforehand. You were, you know, we got to talk about eyes. We got to talk about retina. We got to talk about, you know, what we do and what we guard. But, you know, I look at my job as a as a guardian of health, you know, as, as the eyes leading to that, you know? And so, you know, we're talking about kids, we're talking about, you know, development, we're talking about evolution and having a kid. I just, I I want to make sure that every little thing they do, I'm helping them do it the right way. Um, And so, you know, blue light has a big effect on sleep and, and we, we mentioned that. And so I, I like to, mentioned to families to have that night shift mode in the settings on every eye product 
set uh, two hours, at least two hours before sleep. So I say, when do you go to sleep? All right. So I want this set two hours before you go to sleep. I, I recommend that in every brain injury patient for sure. And I try to do that for, for all of my kids as well because, and I do it myself. It sets, it just automatically sets every day before you, before, you know, at that time and it'll return on. And it's just a little bit dimmer. It's just a little bit more yellow and it reduces the amount of blue light that comes out of your phone. That's so. a smart idea. Yeah. Um, another thing, especially for kids, whether it be blue light or screens in general and eye fatigue, I feel like that's a big one. We know that there is, I mean, even for adults in a lot of studies, uh, 30% of people report eye strain, around 30% report higher increase of a dry eye, uh, 28% report more headaches and blurred vision, neck and shoulder pain. And we know if adults are having these problems, why aren't kids having the same problems? They just don't know how to complain about it. Absolutely. And and I think um, there was recently just a, a research study done showing that there is actually a pathophysiological effect on epithelial corneal cells uh, that leads to dry eye from blue light, that there is actually a pathophysiological effect by blue light uh, causing actually it's a it's a phototoxicity um, there I, I found it it's a it's a phototoxicity towards human corneal and conjuncti- conjunctival epithelial cells so blue light does have a path a negative pathophysiological effect on the human cornea so interesting there you go um, there there is actually some evidence to support maybe that there's damage sequia can help sequia <laughs> yes no but real talk there. Eye fatigue, what do you think about anti-fatigue lenses? I really like recommending them, especially for kids, actually. I am horrible at that. Really? And I need to become better at it. Yeah. It, it's not something I do very often. Is it it's something you guys do a oh, lot? Oh, yeah. Of? One of my opticians, she's awesome. She's a, a younger mom. She she said that she puts the one of the anti-fatigue lenses. All her kids have it. And really? so she just, like essentially i mean i'm sure she doesn't do it for every kid but basically for all the moms that come through and stop with her she recommends getting that for what the kind kids. of lenses do you guys carry our biggest per, uh lens manufacturer we work with i believe is hoya yeah, um same. but we have we work with the vsp lab and hoya what's up Hoya. Hey. <laughs> um but yeah they're they're anti-fatigue lens i personally got an there i've tried now all of their especially their newer versions all powers and yeah. I actually like it. I think it's lovely. Really? Does it oh, help? Yeah. What is it like? A plus seventy five? Um, so there's the Hoya. Shoot. Now I know it's a nine, a one and a quarter, or something like that. And then I think their lowest is a point five or point six. Okay. Um, but the nice thing is there's no progression really. It's just like distance, boom, near at the bottom. Really? Okay. So, but you can't tell, right? It's not like a. Uh, it's subtle. Or... It's super subtle, but you can tell a little bit. You get used to. I mean, to it really you can't fast. tell by someone looking at it. No, 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 no. Right. No. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, no. yeah I'm going to have to get into that. That is something we do not do enough of at all. Oh, I office. think it's great. We I mean, really not only for kids, because most of the time they don't even notice it. And it's just a so really nice help for. Would you do it for like any age? Is oh, it... yeah. My really? my young, um, like late 30s, early 40s people as well yeah. that aren't okay. even. They may be complaining a little bit about near strain. I say, hey, this is your baby step into a progressive. You're going to love you it. You get good, good feedback from that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Anyways, but yeah, kids kids don't even notice it. It's nice, and then a little bit less eye strain for them. 
And that's truly awesome. what the design was made for, the anti-fatigue designs. Essilor has another one. I think they call it the anti-fatigue lens. Hoyas is called the sink, I believe. But anyway, that's a okay, great, yes, great yes, trick same. for kids because they wouldn't know the difference usually. Awesome. Especially, especially anyone who's astigmatic or myopic because already the non-center of the lens is not quite as clear. Right. Hyperopic people notice it a little bit more, but okay, it's worth it. It's great. Nice. But Very cool. I think, I mean, obviously as eye doctors, we think about the, what's pertinent to the eye, but I mean, there's a much bigger issue when it comes to screen time in regards to development, health, um, depression. I mean, obviously this that's a whole other topic, but I, I feel we probably have a role in that. What do you think about that? A one hundred percent. I I I literally just got tangles <laughs> because I just think it's so unbelievably important, and and I think that we're just at a very pivotal time in our in our you know in our world where you know if I can make a little positive impact on families and kids and and have this discussion and try and inspire them to be more you know face to face with people and and more hands on and more outdoors that you know this could have a positive impact on them and yeah there's there's lots of research out there that shows that screen time has been linked to poor connectivity in areas of the brain that govern language and cognitive con- control that there's strong links between time spent on screens and depression and um, suicide in teens. This is a big issue. I mean, we're hearing a lot about this. In fact, 48% of those who spent five or more hours a day on their phones had thought about suicide or made plans of it in one study, while 28% of teens who spent only one hour per day on their phones had thought about it. So, I mean, this is, it's a, it's a big deal. And, and uh, the other big, you know, thing that we're hearing about in relationship to screen time is, um, addiction. And we know that there are functional MRI studies that have been done that show that uh, children who are on their screens for longer periods of time display more activity in areas of the brain that are uh, responsible for pleasure and are releasing dopamine. And these are the things that are exactly the same in uh, individuals that start um, drug-seeking behavior and and uh, result in, you know, the, the disease of addiction, which we know is not, you know, simply um, uh, being addicted to a, a physical drug. It could be an action. It could be something. And, and so, you know, this is, uh, this is our Fortnite discussion, okay? <laughs> Fortnite, what? which Scott Schachter uh, introduced you and I to. Um, <laughs> kind of. Because he said he wanted to be a Fortnite gamer. Yes, exactly. When he when he got older, so Fortnite and and my wife and I were doing a little walk uh, with with the kids uh, earlier this evening, and uh, there was a twelve year old boy riding his bike. He's a nice little boy, and his his brothers in tenth grade. He's too cool for him now, and uh, <laughs> so he was out there riding his bike by himself. And so I'm joking around with him. He just got new glasses. He just got a new bike. So I'm joking around with him about those two things. And I said, well, where's your brother? Is he inside playing Fortnite? And um, I was just joking. And he said, yes, actually, he was. And I said, you know, what? what is this thing with Fortnite? You know, like, what is it even? He's like, oh, well, you kill people. <laughs> so, you know, just to hear this 12-year-old tell me that, you know, this game that's sort of taking over the, the world right now, um, it's just as simple as that. It's, it's killing people. 
And, um, you know, well, what do you mean you kill people? Well, you could either do like single player where you just kill everybody or you're like in death match where you're on a team and you kill the other team. So, you know, that's, that's what's going on. And, uh, I don't want to sound like, you know, oh, the world is at an end. You know, we played mortal Kombat when we were kids and, and halo and all, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world and, and everybody will be fine, but, there's definitely something to be said for, you know, limiting screen time and for a healthcare professional to engage that conversation early and often. And we definitely play a role in that and could potentially make a difference in people's lives. So I think that's really the, the point that I wanted to drive home tonight um, by, by uh, discussing screen time in relationship to children vision. Absolutely. So summary, things that we can recommend Timing, timing recommendations, right? How right. how often uh, parents should recommend their kids or giving them resources on other well-known publications and guidelines, not just maybe our own opinion so they don't think that. Right. What else? Yeah, I, th- I glasses. think... Glasses. Um, glasses, yeah, certainly blue light uh, blocking lenses with maybe an anti-fatigue addition, as you said, would be a great way to help uh, reduce the harmful effects, for sure. Sweet. And I think giving some other, you know, ideas as to why, you know, the alternative might be better, you know, and really talking about, you know, brain development and, and that three-dimensional importance in, 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 in developing the brain. Absolutely. Very important. Right. So going over in your exam time, keeping everyone else waiting an hour with with this (laughs) combo, right? (laughs) Got to do it. I just got to do it. All right. Well, that I think about wraps it up um, for today's conversation. It was a thrilling one, Jimmy. Thank you. But before we go, thanks again to Valley Contacts for their support, not only for making amazing lenses, but also the awesome people they are to work with. Uh, We're going to continue on this month's path in pediatrics. We have a couple exciting guests this month. So stay tuned for what's coming up revolving around kids. But until then, try not to blink.